Hey guys, you are listening to a special bonus edition of the Dirty Sheets podcast. I am your host, Billy. I'm not joined by Cav on the show because if we had Cav as well, I think we could go well over two hours. Instead, I am joined by somebody who's become a friend of mine in this wrestling community. And there isn't many, although there are supporters and the supporters are growing in great numbers as we start to grow this other side of this alternative community, as I continue to call it. I am joined by Brad Shepard. Billy, the pleasure is all mine. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be chopping it up with you. Uh, one of the realest people in the entire wrestling community. Well, here's the thing. We haven't got Cav on the show. We do have me and you, but that still doesn't mean that we won't go long and, and do a couple of hours here. So we have an agreement on this show and here's how this is going to play out. Brad has agreed to appear on the dirty sheets for this week. We are going to talk about some wrestling. We are going to talk about the show in Puerto Rico. We're going to talk about backlash. We're going to talk about a draft and we're going to talk about last night's raw where the fans were blamed <laughs> the customer was wrong, apparently, <laughs> about their reaction to the show. So I think that's an interesting perspective. We are going to talk about that. And then we are going to go on to the various beefs. But on this particular episode, we're going to primarily focus on Brad's beefs and things that involve Brad and things that he's been dealing with over the past weeks and months. So we're going to focus on that. And then over on the other episode, which is going to be released in a couple of weeks' time, we are going to address the Saudi Arabia show. We're going to preview that show. So on this show, we're going to do the backlash results. In the show, in two weeks' time, we are going to preview the Saudi show. That gives me the opportunity to actually go through some of the bang lines, something that I regularly do, something I can introduce Brad's audience to at the same time. We can look at betting odds and how they've worked over the years and maybe go back and forth on that. And then he will address some of my beefs so we can talk more about the K100 situation, uh, a Ryan Satin situation that came up in, um, in Hollywood, which hasn't been talked about too much. And collectively, our issues with Bin Hameen, we can readdress those And um, from my perspective. But we're going to primarily focus on Brad's issues. Um, where do you want to start, Brad? Do you want to finish up with a wrestling so people can fast forward this bit because i do have a portion of my audience that don't actually like this and actually like our wrestling stuff because um we did we did create i don't know if you noticed a dirty sheets five star system that doesn't allow you to get seven out of five in a five star system which is what someone else's ridiculous five five star system does allow you to do ours <laughs> doesn't do that and um what we'll do is when we do cover the Puerto Rico show backlash, we will, I will introduce you to the system. So I don't know if you want to start with that or start with the, the, the juicy stuff. Let's start with, uh, the wrestling. Let's get it out of the way for the people who want to hear that. And then we'll get into the juicy stuff. All right. So we'll start with that and I'll tell you how my, my system works. I devised this up with Cav and I feel that it's more fairer. And it's more relevant to the modern day wrestling because it's 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 um, it's five it's five different aspects and they're all ranked out of five uh, out of ten sorry and when you mark them out of ten you end up with a score out of fifty 
and that's how many stars you get. So, for example, if the total adds up to 42, that's four points, two stars. If it adds up to 47, it's 4.7. If it's a bad match, um, like you can get uh, 23 is 2.3. That, that's how we do it. So the aspects that we use, the categories we use, are we, we factor in the build-up because a lot of these matches, I feel, they're reviewing these cold matches that don't have a build. When you're looking mm -hmm. at something that happens in the Tokyo Dome, for example, or Sasha Banks, you know, recently having matches there that were built off the back of bad or cringy press conferences. Um, I, I don't think that that for me does it for, for build. So we look at the build up of matches. A prime example, I think when you're looking at build up is what can you fit into the three, the three minute promo that, that they that they sort of reduce everything down to condense everything down to before matches and I use my way with Rock and Austin as a good example of getting you ready so I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the weeks of television but then also the condensed video that you can bring in so the build up out of 10 then I look at the occasion um, which means that in my system a house show match will never get 10 out of 10 in this category. A 10 out of 10 for occasion would be the main event of WrestleMania night two. Right. Because, yeah. and, and, and collectively with a build, because I feel that in that pressure situation, when it matters, if you can deliver a good match, you deserve your props. I feel that anyone in the modern day wrestling, because they so focus so much, so overly focus on the wrestling side of things and, doing all of this wrestling, which is kind of being watered down now and not focusing so much on their acting and their media training and their promos as much as they should, because we're so suffocated with wrestling. I feel that if you can put on a good match on a huge occasion, it does warrant a, a higher score. So, so we're up to, um, we're up to two, we're two categories covered so far, build up occasion. Then finally we get to the bell to bell. This is everything barring the finish. This is everything that you saw in a match. The selling, the the, the selling of the, the selling, the the transitions, um, the outside interference, whether it was justified or unjustified, everything basically between uh, the start and the finish. So that will be marked out of 10. A separate mark for the finish, the finish out of 10. What would you give the finish out of 10? And finally, crowd response, because it's never factored in. Um, it's the reason why a match like Rock versus Hogan at WrestleMania 18 can score really well in this category, given that it was at a big occasion, given that mm -hmm. it was um, had a relatively decent build, although The Rock did sell the injuries from that truck for four weeks before he came back. Um, and then the crowd response automatically a 10 out of 10 for that particular match. So this is what we use. This is how we, we arrive at our score. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's actually kind of interesting, Billy, because, you know, when I think of Dave Meltzer and his five-star system that people in the industry like to use, my issue with it is you're rating something, but you're not giving us a criteria. That's it. And Yeah, you know, and so with your system, it sounds like you're giving a criteria. And the criteria is not just who did the best fake fight move, you know, on some house show. You're saying... Let's look at all of the elements, right? Was this on the biggest stage, so to speak, right? When it matters the most, is this person delivering? Uh, so I do like that. I mean, there's 
there's something to be said about the Siskel and Ebert sort of, you know, was a show or a match good and, and letting people know that. I do hate Dave Meltzer's star rating system. You know, I think it focuses on the wrong things. There's no set criteria. Uh, so I think you've got something interesting there. Yeah, especially when you get to seven out of five. It's like, how <laughs> how did you get seven out of five? I mean, I'm sure with his criteria, uh, if there was one, it would be a case of things like um, selling and the finish would probably factor in, perhaps the crowd response. But I, I, I'm, I'm not too sure exactly because he's never been clear about it. It's just a case of him throwing out, you know, a number of stars for this and that. But um, yeah, I feel that when it got to seven, this is why I created this. The most contentious part, I guess, is the build-up because it's nothing to do with anything that happens on the night. But I feel that there has to be something that that um, that counts for us watching five, six weeks of television that build up a match uh, and the anticipation going into it. If the anticipation is not there, then automatically it hurts the match. And uh, that, I, for me... I feel that's relevant to the match. If something can hurt or or, or help a match, such for such for example, um, Owens and Zayn's title shot going into WrestleMania was red hot, and uh, which is why it, it as a result pushed Rhea Ripley and Charlotte out of the main event position. You cannot tell me the build up is not relevant to the match when one match's build was enough to elevate it to main event status. That's that's why I think this year was a very good example of why this system works. Yep, that's fair. I I agree. Okay, so I'm probably not going to do every single match here uh, because I don't feel that they're... they're I mean, I'm going to talk about every match, but I'm not going to like get a star rating for, for everything because some of these matches were just here. Uh, for example, um, Zelina and Rhea Ripley. Although we have people on the internet, we've reached this point where it's like, <laughs> oh my God, like you're in your home. Like when, when Vince was in charge, it was very much a case of, oh, if you're in a hometown, it was, he enjoyed beating you. Which now we're in this sort of woke era. I now uh -huh. find that funny. I'm actually more amused by what Vince used to do <laughs> rather than this whole, not only should they win, but we should be making them champions. And it wasn't just the marks that said it. It was like echoed by Bully Ray and Mark Henry on, on their podcast that they did together. Like, what is going on here? Um, how and why would Zelina Vega be winning the title from this from this girl that you just pushed? You gave her the rumble. You had to beat Charlotte in what was a decent women's match. And then you drafted a number one. I know, we'll beat her for Zelina Vega because she's kind of at home and she's crying a little bit and the crowd like her so yeah let's just let's just flip the title like what where are we at with that you know um let's talk about the selena vega thing jesus christ okay so to me i didn't understand why she got the title shot to begin with right right yeah i mean that that from the very beginning didn't make sense now you look at that, and then let's look at the other piece. You know, they're going to have a match, and in theory, you're going to be entertained, hopefully, and you're going to not know who wins, right? Well, did anybody, anybody, just one person, believe that Zelina Vega, who 
I, I don't even think she's been on TV much. She doesn't win much, but she's going to get the title shot because Puerto Rico. Well, she they did they they didn't <laughs> even have a real face turn. It was um, it was there was some backstage interactions with with Rey Mysterio, and that and that was I, about and that was I, with, that was with Santos Escobar only, and then suddenly. For no reason at all, they're all they've all turned face. So yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like Triple H is is lauded by this this audience on on wrestling Twitter, but there's a lot of holes in his work. Like there's a lot of holes in things that he's done that don't make sense. For example, like this, um, just missing the just dropping the Brock Lashley whole program off the back of a low blow. Um, setting up something with Bray, Bray's then off TV, signing all of these people and doing nothing with them. It's just it's time. We could do a whole episode on that. But yeah, this this is one of them. Yeah, I mean, so you you want to go into a match not really knowing who could win, right? And, and nobody believed that Zelina Vega was going to beat Rhea Ripley. First of all, visually, nobody could believe that anyway. And you know, secondly, it's just you know, nobody believed that a title change was going to take place. So there's not going to be a lot of excitement for this match. You know, she's going to come out and she's going to get the Puerto Rico pop. And hey, it was a good crowd. No question about it. It was a great crowd. But, you know, she's out there during the introductions and she's just bawling. I mean, she's not just emotional. She's like. Balling, crying during this introduction. I get it. She's never been over, and she's in Puerto Rico, and it's like that's great. But Bad Buddy's from Puerto Rico. Did you see him during his introductions balling, or was this guy looking like a star and like he belonged? And that was my point. I'm not saying it wasn't a nice moment for her. She may have enjoyed it personally. That's great. But this is a job, and it's a performance, and be a little professional. Get out there and act like you're an actual star, which is something that so many of these wrestlers today are actually not, you know. And that's a big part of the problem. So she's out there, and, you know, nobody believes she's going to win, but she's getting her moment, so to speak, and they're cheering for her, and she's crying. And I'm just thinking, when the hell is this match going to be over with? Well, it was only seven minutes and ten seconds, but yeah, yeah uh, I mean, you're you're right in terms of the only reason she got her way into the spot was because LWO, who's which is now things, started to feud with the well, they were feuding with the Judgment Day. So, as part of the two women on the opposite sides, she then shoehorned away automatically somewhere into a title shot without having any significant other wins on, on mm. television at all. Right. Um, she'll now go back into a, her spot. It won't be a case of they'll build towards a rematch or or anything because they know that outside of Puerto Rico, nobody's going to care. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was it was stupid. But I think, for me, the strangest thing was this sentiment that she should have won and for it to be echoed by experienced wrestlers <sighs> uh, like Mark Henry and Billy Ray to say they missed the boat. Um, she could have stole one. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have done any damage if she if she landed a small package and had the belt for the night or whatever. <laughs> well, no. This is everything that they're that they're getting away from. We have a lot of long runs at the moment. That doesn't necessarily mean that we know how to book them. But there are people in the midst of long runs, and whilst they're not all booked correctly, um, and and they're not all particularly 
entertaining. Some of them are stale, particularly Bianca. If you are in the midst of long runs and somebody like this loses their belt within a month, it's not good enough just to win it back because now the, the point of comparison is unlike the attitude era where it's like, oh, belt slip all the time. doesn't mean that you're a loser if you lose. But now, yeah, you are a loser. Rhea Ripley has, will undo everything whilst Bianca's holding on to her shit for 13 months and she loses in three, four weeks. Yeah, you are a loser. Yeah, you have undone everything. And for what? So Zelina Vega can can point to the sky and say, I did it for you, daddy. Like, no, it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and, you know, I saw that narrative online. She was on SmackDown, right, Billy? She was on SmackDown in front of the Puerto Rican crowd as well. Right. So, so she, it's, like, it's not like... She, <laughs> she got a win in the mixed tag, so... Right, yeah, I mean, so she was on TV then. So, it, it, I mean, it's not like, oh, it's her first time in Puerto Rico. She was no. just on Friday. So... The whole thing was just very bizarre to me. And she's talked about, you know, her father's death for a long time, many years, and had many shows. And so I I don't think it was about that. I, it, You know, it's just there are so many marks in the ring these days. You know, they're going in there and they're just happy to be there. And, you know, it was their, you know, lifelong dream and they're crying. And you see this a lot in women's wrestling in particular. How many of them have not cried? You know, when they won a championship. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And you got Mark Henry saying, yeah, yeah, she should have won. And then I think, well, maybe maybe Denise Salcedo's rubbing off on him. I don't know. They do a busted open radio show on Saturday. But, you know, maybe Mark is a Mark. You know, I, I, that's that's part of the problem. You know, that's not good business to say because we're in Puerto Rico for two days that we should just upend all long-term creative plans and give the title to Zelina Vega, who has a 0% chance of being a draw or making money for us. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and this is the thing with the, with the, with the women's division. I think we set the tone uh, with this kind of shit when Sasha and Bailey faced off and it was heel versus babyface and they were crying at the bell and hugged at the end and it was like, you know, it, it set the tone for the, what these and and even when you look back at that evolution pay per view that they had, which they only did once, and that's because it did poorly. Um, you had all the women who just faced off against each other, mm. standing at the stage at the end. It's kind of like you're almost telling us that these you're trying to tell us that they're they're equal and we should be interested in these matches, but then you're also telling us that yeah, these this is this emotional weaker sex that cannot control themselves yeah. and and we need to you know that they, they they ball uh they ball and they get emotional it's it's very strange like in a, in a sense where <laughs> yeah where where you know you could have i mean the, the the person we see we see charlotte using tears but it's in a different way it's in more of a star making um sort of way in terms of um when she can't beat somebody when she's right. getting frustrated uh, and she can't win a wrestling match, then she starts to cry in the ring because of the the effort that she's trying to put into to win. She's frustrated. Right. She crying, she cries in frustration, or she cries because she can't win. That I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. Like in terms of the way that she implements tears and emotion, but I've I've never seen her, you know, crying at the end of a a match other than when she won the title as a babyface. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I think it's stupid. I think there's no point wasting any more time on it. Um, 
I, I think they did the they did the right thing. So mm. I'm not going to give them shit for doing the right thing. It's 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 people outside of WWE that that had more of an issue with this. Right. Um, we'll cover the other women's match that opened the show where we had Bianca and Io Sky. Uh, Bianca won this match. But again, going into this one, you see the usual things on Twitter and people saying, oh, Io Sky should win um, and and giving reasons for that. Um, I, I didn't think she had any chance of, of winning the match. No. Obviously, moving in a direction where she will be a babyface and Bailey will be the heel. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, one of the comments I got shit for this week was saying that... Um, the people were posting all of these images of Bailey coming out to the ring and her sort of bending over and leaning right. over and and trying to interfere in a match and she's wearing these these trousers that were, were like clipped on or, or whatever mm. and they were they were posting all these stills going oh my god like please pot I've never wanted something to uh, a wardrobe malfunction so badly or I want these I never wanted uh, something to fail as bad as these trousers and all this shit it's like really like you lot are you lot are fantasizing over Bailey. Like yeah. I, in my lifetime, although I was allowed, I was allowed to go on to, to television for a few years, which helped me sexually. But, um, but still like, I've never been with anybody who is as unattractive as Bailey. So, but I got shit for saying, are we really out here? Uh, who, who the hell finds Bailey attractive? Mm-hmm. And that garnered a lot of, um, negative responses but that's well, just but, my, that, that i don't get how we arrived here because yeah. once we put people onto television there was never anything it was like okay alondra blaze is the women's champion but we weren't told mm-hmm. that we needed to find her attractive and nobody was saying it because right. there was no social media then but right. sunny sable marlena was obvious mm-hmm. then we signed it upgraded we had like trish leah then tori and stacy came over from wcw it was like okay these women are super hot yeah now there's a fan base who are telling me that they dream about Bailey. Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think some of them, Billy, to be fair, are just plain sexually inexperienced. Yeah. You know, some of them are just virtue signaling online. They don't really mean it, but some of them really are sexually inexperienced, you know, and, and they find you could take a 400 pound woman. You could cover her in flour uh, to find the wet spot. And they'd be all over it because they're, you know, they're just sexually inexperienced. So some of them are just looking for a connection. I've seen previously my gripe was is that they said that Sasha was the hottest woman in the world. Uh, And like I've even gone back and forth with Jay Aleto from from PWP and he thinks that she is hot, not the hottest woman in the world. But I felt like Sasha, who I've seen multiple times in real life, was very much overrated. But then we're getting to the point where now fans are 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 making reasons for finding Bailey attractive and um, Willow Nightingale on AEW. Um, it's what's it's it's going to be fucking Nyla Rose right. soon. Uh, it's where where do you where do you draw the line between okay this is a woman and she wrestles and right. these are attractive women. There has yeah. to be a line yeah. here, and I and I think all of Damage Control. Uh, underneath that line i'm not attracted to any of them and i don't feel that they have any star presence or anything like that and it's something that vince russo said and got absolutely buried for it but i don't think damage control has worked on any level since they came Mm. in yeah no they've been awful in fact my little nickname for them is ratings damage uh because 
Every time they're on TV, it seems like everybody wants to turn the channel. They're awful. This is the worst run of Bailey's career, and she's been put with two people who are awful, who are not over. The entire act is not over. It's clearly a pet project of Paul Levesque. He -hmm. likes them. You know, it's his little NXT agenda. Uh, It's been a massive failure. They are awful. They are boring. And he's been trying to force it down everyone's throat to make it work. It's still not working. They're awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, and, and, and Willow would be like uh, Nyla, except, you know, she doesn't have a penis. So there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what did you think of this match? I thought I felt like it was a decent opener yeah. and kind of set the tone for the crowd being hot. Um, I don't know. I wasn't massively surprised but i was caught off guard by bianca being booed over ear i could understand yeah. it if it was a yeah. more established character even bailey like bailey has her fans as we just said but eo who's done nothing yeah. and has yeah. even said boo to her goose like we have yeah. we don't know anything about her this was surprising to me because this is not oscar and this yeah. is not this is not the yeah established talent who mm-hmm. you know these you go out into places like puerto rico or saudi arabia or these other markets and they're going to have fans because they've been on television for so many years. They will have fans, but EO sky was really surprising to me to see. Yeah. 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 I I mean, um, I think there could be this potential for like, uh, you know, this sort of John Cena like movement where they start booing Bianca. Look, the problem with Bianca is she has really no character. I mean, what's her character? She comes out, she's the EST, whatever that means. She smiles a lot, and she waves her hairpiece around that's obnoxiously long. It's kind of a heel character, to be honest. But there's really been no foundation for her character. There's been no evolution of her character. So why would you continue to be invested for this year-plus-long reign? Uh, So I think that's starting to really count against her. Uh, Eos Guy is just totally boring. I'm not invested in her whatsoever. Watching the match, it was okay. The... Uh, there was a couple of botches, and there's this one part where I, I really cringe because they really try to emphasize the strength of Bianca. She did the one-handed press slam, but um, EO almost landed on her head. I mean, so it's like, you know, again, if you don't do that move, does it kill the match? Absolutely not. So just be smart. But it was perfectly fine. Again, it's another match where literally nobody thought EO Sky was going to win. She's been a nobody, a a second option at best on a faction that nobody cares about. I mean, come on. Again, it's, this was just another match I didn't care about. Yeah, I think that's what they started to show with with, uh, with with three matches that I didn't care about. I guess, you know, by the time we got to Ripley and Zelina, because of the crowd reaction um, to it, which was, which was very um, intense... Uh, for for Selena, like it, it kind of like woke me up a little because obviously I'm catching these things at two a.m. Um, two a.m. two thirty a.m. flicking between this pay per view and UFC, which by the way Saturday night was a fucking scheduling nightmare for me mm-hmm. with me running lock betting at the same time. I'm starting with the WWE pay per view, but you know at times um, I, I I had to prioritize the actual sports that we had more money on. Uh, I had to watch some of these UFC fights for my clients. So I had to completely switch out in and out of the pay-per-view. And bearing in mind, these two are now the same company. 
I don't know why that was allowed to happen. And that can't happen again moving forward. You cannot have a right. UFC pay-per-view running inside WWE with Canelo Alvarez fighting on the same yeah. night. And UFC should never do that anyway. And they've taken steps previously yeah. to avoid being on the same night as boxing. But in this occasion, you had WWE, UFC, and the number one draw in boxing on at the same time. So it was a nightmare for me. I ended up watching a majority of this on Sunday morning, trying to avoid spoilers, which is difficult because I could have avoided the spoilers for the boxing in the UFC far more easily than wrestling, where people live in front of their screens and it was just pop-up after pop-up. So at one point, I just had to put my phone away. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to point it out. I've, I've not heard any of the Mark podcasts even talk about it, but it's like, if you're not one of these losers who only lives for wrestling and mm -hmm. Japanese wrestling and TNA and <laughs> watches back wrestling all week and just sits in your bedroom. Like for people like me uh, and a lot of people who listen to my shows, that would have been a horrible piece of scheduling for you because I know my, my clientele or my listeners want to listen, want to watch the UFC cards, especially pay-per-views. Like this wasn't like a fucking UFC fight night like, you know, on ESPN, this was Henry Cejudo returning to the ring after right. three years. Uh, and then Canelo Alvarez boxing on the same night, returning to Mexico for the first yeah. time in 12 years. And so, what a what an intro Canelo had, by the way. Right, yeah. I mean, it, and what a, what a performance by Ryder because he couldn't mm -hmm. get him out of there. Like, he was down on the floor twice. Uh, I've seen guys just, just buckle under that. And I'm not sure whether it's a case of Canelo has lost, is losing a little bit of his finishing yeah. ability at 32, which means that going back in there with Dimitri Bivol, Dimitri yeah. Bivol is not a good idea. That's what uh, it felt like to me. Yeah. Yeah. You felt like he couldn't get him out, though. You felt like John Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he lost a, a, a half a step or so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think at his peak, uh, Ryder sees the, the, the fifth or sixth round from when uh, Canelo had him down. I believe he goes in and and finds the finish, or at least finds it later on in the fight. Um, he, he's very good at working the body and whatnot, but he yeah. I don't think he did enough like body work either. So yeah. I, I don't think it was particularly impressive. Um, I think it was. I think it was one of those fights that was selected for to give him a good chance of getting somebody out of there in Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't think it's a good setup for for Bivol. But as as we go cycle back round, this is a lot of the stuff that that I was dealing with on Saturday, which I, I don't want to be in that position again. And I don't think people that's, that follow me want to be in that position again. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll quickly skate over some of this stuff before we get to the bad bunny match. Rollins and Olmos uh, just really wanted to know why you thought this was even there. It popped up out of nowhere on SmackDown. They announced that this is a raw Jeez. match that's happening. And then obviously Rollins gets the win. What do you think Omos' role is? Do you think it's just a case of, wow, if you beat Omos, you're a top guy, and is he the new big show? Like, what, what's, what, was, what was this, in your opinion? So it's a little bit of a frustrating thing. I do like big man matches. Uh, <laughs> so here's, here's the deal with this. This was another match where there's really no series build. Actually, and I have it, a great question for you when you're done. So okay. I'll ask you this as well. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so... You know, to me, it's like, you know, it's this is kind of like the Paul Avec style, like the Tony Khan style. They're just putting together matches without, you know, a lot of storytelling, right? 
And so the idea here was clearly, you know, we're going to warm up Seth Rollins, right? He's going in, as we now know, to the finals of the B-Belt tournament, as I call it. And so they want to make him look strong. Well, how do they do it? Who can he face? I know. Let's take the guy who's the physical specimen, Omas. And we're going to beat him, and it's going to be really tough to beat him. But the point is, they keep beating him. So it's like... So they're screwing that up because even if it's tough to beat the guy, if he keeps losing, he's going to be a loser. Nobody wants to cheer for a loser or be invested in a loser. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's like, it, does anybody believe Seth Rollins could beat this guy? I mean, seriously. I mean, it's like, so my problem with, with Seth Rollins is, you know, he's a good little worker and he does the indie style I don't care for, but he's not top guy material in my opinion. He's not the guy materially, in my opinion. And, and so it's just kind of annoying. Like, you know, um, and so Omas has some potential. He's still very green. He, he's got to grow. He's learning. But he's a special attraction. He's a super huge dude, right? And you can do something with that. But if you just keep putting the guy in random matches and having him lose, but, you know, it, it takes a lot. That doesn't equate to anything, right? He's just a, a loser. So, you know, they were trying to get Seth Rollins the win going into the tournament. They were trying to keep Omos strong. And there was no story to this. So it's just, you know, I, I don't understand this type of booking, I guess. Here's what I don't understand and wanted to talk to you about here. Because I thought that it was the best match that Omos had had. Yeah. But during the, during the build-up... Seth Rollins told me and told Olmos and told told everybody watching, hey, we're going to go in there and I'm going to give you the best match of your life. Hold on a second. Jeez. This cannot happen. This is happening across the board where these organ where these organizations are allowing the wrestlers to go out there and say, we're going to tear it up. Well, oh, we're going to have the best match. <laughs> Hold on there. I, I never heard any boxer or UFC guy say, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to fight for the full five rounds and we're going to have a fight <laughs> at a night. It's like, not, you, you need to beat him as quickly as possible, right? right. Are we not doing that anymore? Are we just are we just, are we we just, just pretending or are we just like conceding that everybody, women, children, new fans, they're all in on it and we're just going mm-hmm. out there to have the good as match as possible. And then he did. And then because he did, it was like, it felt very contrived. It's like, all oh, right, so you're gonna like give him three your finisher three times, and you're gonna have all these two and a half counts. Cool, but you already fucking told me, so you took all of the accomplishment out of this by by telling me on TV, oh, you're gonna give almost his best match, and then he gives almost his best match. So basically, yeah. what it means is that Seth Rollins now cannot win any matches quickly or properly. Yeah. He's now almost. What are you saying? Deliberately going out there and going 12, 13 minutes with mm-hmm. everybody from Chad Gable to Olmos. I don't think that makes Seth Rollins look, look good. It might no. make him look good to Dave Meltzer, which is ironic because he says he doesn't care about him and has been one of his biggest critics. Yet you're playing right into his hands and you're being the AEW guy of WWE. Like, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when you watch a match, at least for me, you want to be invested in the moment and, and have some believability. Now, you know, obviously it's a work, but you want to get invested in the back and forth and what could happen. 
And, and Seth Rollins going out there and saying, you know, well, I'm going to give you your best match. That That's just him saying, hey, reminder, in case you forgot, this shit is completely fucking phony. We're going to do a 50-50 match back and forth, blah, blah, blah. I absolutely hate that. And, and how, that's is it, how is it different? How is it? Di- I mean, I know it's different because it's human. It's a human yeah. being, but it's not too much different than the guys that we laugh at who are wrestling the dolls and the children, yeah. right? No, it, it's really not. It's the same principle. Uh, and I and I don't understand how someone with so much experience in the business could sit there and, and say something like that, or how a writer could write something like that, or anybody could think that's a good idea. And and think that fans are going to be emotionally invested in this match outside of, hey, we're going to have a fake match. We're going to do a bunch of fake moves you may like. And then the match 20 minutes later is going to end. I mean, that that is not how you do pro wrestling, in my opinion. And, and it's something that is severely lacking from the product today. I, it's just, you know, it's uh, it's not something for me. It's that indie style that we've seen impact wrestling everywhere whether it's wwe or AEW, and i don't get into that i don't i'm not one of those work rate guys where it's like okay you know i i didn't like hulk hogan because you know he didn't do five-star matches in america well he had a character and he knew how to work the crowd and he knew when to choose his moments and the timing and it was really well done he wasn't worrying about okay you know step one two three hurricane rana yeah, but that's what we have today. And then, you know, 10 years later, these guys like Will Osprey said, well, I'm going to have to retire because my body is fucked. Well, no shit, Sherlock. When did you fucking figure that one out? You know, so this whole style that's kind of taken over the business, whether it's Seth or Will or others, it's just not good for the business, and I don't get it. And I think a prime example of that is that the Seth Rollins WrestleMania matches, like you know, what he may feel th- that they are better as far as the modern day wrestling style goes and whatnot. But I believe when we get to WrestleMania 45, 50, 55, Hogan Savage holds up, Hogan oh, Warrior yeah. holds up, yeah, Hogan Rock holds up, Hogan, Vin- Hogan Vince holds up, yes, uh, and Rollins' matches, they may hold up in terms of quality, but because of that storyline element going in and because of who he is uh, and, and the star power that's lacking, um, it won't it won't hold up, which, again, I think is a good reason why um, build and crowd reaction and these other aspects can go, go into my star system, which we're going to do in a second, because, um, you know, because th- this this is why for such a long time, these Hogan matches are still remembered. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to talk too much about this triple threat match, which Austin Theory won. I want to talk about Bobby Lashley. So Lashley starts this feud of Bronson Reed, right? Mm-hmm. And they have won no contest on television. They get put into this triple threat, and that's the end of it. They're now going to be on different shows. Lashley starts a feud of Bray Wyatt for WrestleMania, and Bray Wyatt's off television. This comes off the back of the third match with Brock Lesnar, which ends with a low blow. And it looks like the automatic thing to do, logical thing to do would be to book the final match at WrestleMania, but it doesn't happen. Uh, This is off the back of Lashley previously um, losing said championship to um, 
to Big E via a cash-in, not winning that belt back either. It just seems like they don't know ever what they're doing with this guy. And mm-hmm. in a time where because of social media and society and, and everything, you are almost forced to put black people in a prominent position, even though a lot of talented black workers and, and stars have come through your company previously and they did not get the world title because they only reached a certain level. This is a guy who I feel like when you compare him to Big E and Kofi Kingston, he should have <laughs> been he should have been a world champion. I don't yeah. actually with with Will Washington and Sean Ross Sapp, these are views which they've labeled me as racist for for saying that Big E and Kofi Kingston were failures. That is racism in 2023. Whilst completely ignoring the fact that I've said that Lashley is better than um, than Hobbs, than uh, than Kofi, than Woods, than Biggie, than 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 Swerve, all of these guys. Like Bobby Lashley looks the part. He's improved on the mic. He has good matches. But again, this is another complete failure by Triple H. And I'm not saying he was booked well under Vince, but at least he was moving up and it looked like he was in an an established main eventer. But this is another big fumble by by Triple H. And this isn't a young dude either. He looks great, but he's actually hitting his his mid-40s at this point. So what what is your take on on Lashley? What is your take on this kind of, this Will Washington, this crybaby Will Washington with with the fact that black wrestlers aren't, aren't pushed enough when in fact when you look at the higher the number of, of black people that are hired in these companies it far outweighs the actual population percentage uh, of, of 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 people that exist when you look at the the percentage of people that work in these companies that are that are african-american um it's far greater than the actual population if you compare the two yeah, Bobby Lashley is pretty great to me. Like, there are some elements I think they nailed, like his presentation as far as the entrance, the production elements, basically. Right? He's got that theme music. He's got the the graphic visuals when he comes out. That is a home run for me. But, you know, as far as Triple H, Paul Levesque, the nose man, as I call him, and his his booking, he he doesn't really seem to know what to do. And that's baffling to me because here's a guy... Like, if you're looking for a black superstar, right, uh, as we talk about because, you know, we're in the diversity, inclusion, and equity culture, uh, die. And so you've literally got someone who should be, regardless of that, a star in Bobby Lashley. But you don't know what to do with him. And instead, you're pushing people like Kobe Kingston, who, to me, is just not believable. Probably a nice guy. Just not believable, not a, a but then superstar. also do you not feel do you not feel that when someone like Lashley comes along and whether they're white, black, brown, what yellow, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at them and go, You're a fucking star. Yeah. But then absolutely. because because of the fact that we have these diversity rules now, and do you think it actually waters down his accomplishment? It waters down his look. It waters down his matches, the improvements that he's made. It's almost like, oh, he's the, oh, it's his turn. It's it's his turn. Right. Like we've, he's he's had it. He's black. He's had it. He's black. How many black guys can we get it onto? No, Bobby Lashley is an actual star, no matter yeah. what color you put, mm-hmm. what color skin he's in. 
And I feel that it actually hurts him when you're when you're just chucking the belt around and trying to get it on as many black people as possible. That's my problem with this. Everybody gets a trophy. And exactly. yeah, and that is exactly right, Billy. It waters down the real accomplishments of people like Bobby Lashley, and that's not a good thing. No, that, I mean that that's that's my main that's my main point when, in 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 relation to this, and obviously obviously how badly he's been booked since um, you know the great Triple H has taken over. <laughs> um, I'm going to go through the last three matches, and these are the ones I'm going to go through with this with the star system. So. Um, what did you think of Bad Bunny, Damian Priest? I'm going to run through the the system. What did you think of the the build? The build was all right, um, and I know you're working with additional challenges when someone is a you know mainstream star outside of WWE coming in. You're not going to get them you know all the time on TV. Uh, so that aside, the match itself. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was really kind of pro wrestling to me in a way. Uh, it had all of the gaga and the spectacle and the star power. And I thought the match was good. And they had some people come out. And again, I think, you know, when you've got a Savio Vega, you've got a Carlito. Um, yeah, it worked for, for the Puerto Rican crowd, right? Obviously, it's it's special for them. But one of the reasons it worked so well is it was really cool for people on TV too, to see, you know, Savio Vega, obviously part of the attitude era, uh, to see Carlito, uh, someone whose work I really enjoyed, by the way, someone who I thought deserved another chance in WWE. So I, I just think it worked, whether it was in person or TV that worked. I think bad bunny is tremendous. I mean, for a guy who's not a pro wrestler, his selling to me is better than, Pretty much everybody in AEW. It's just, it's funny how him and Logan Paul have set themselves as a different level than everybody else in the celebrity world outside of the wrestling bubble coming in. I mean, they're tremendous. Um, so I, I, do you think I did when you look at, do you think when you look at their matches and the way Ronda started out with her first match and first few matches, that it makes wrestling look too easy? Yeah, yeah, that that's like, they're so good. And I remember that Ronda tag match, and she was terrific. And uh, and then, you know, obviously watching Bad Bunny and Logan Paul. And Logan Paul, of course, is an athlete. You know, and, and Bad Bunny just seems to be, like, naturally good at this. The guy's a singer. It's not like he's, you know, getting in the boxing ring or doing, you know, box jumps. But it, it they're so good that, to your point, it's like they're setting a this crazy standard and they kind of do make it look easy where, you know, if we go back to other celebrity appearances, we know, you know, it's not that easy. But you're right. I mean, they are so good. They make it look easy. Yeah, I, I, I think that him and Logan, just even though they're around at the same time, have um, have really set the bar for who's the best celebrities to come in and do it. And, and I remember when McAfee performed against adam cole it was difficult to see anybody topping that and mm. then very quickly these two guys have come along and raised the bar so if we look at the system here quickly what did you give the build a mark out of 10 i i mean the build i would say probably man i would give that a five or you know five out of ten 
five out of ten to me is average, right? It's not great. It's not mm-hmm. awful. But I thought the bill was perfectly fine. And again, the the context here is not that it was bad or anything. It's just they don't have him for TV every week. So they're working with his, you know, schedule. Uh, I thought the bill was perfectly fine for what it was. I mean, we knew he was going to be over. We knew the deal with Puerto Rico. So it was going to work. But, yeah, I, I thought the bill was average. Yeah, I've gone seven just because um, I don't think I need people there every week. But I thought the the bits that he did was powerful. Uh, I thought he sold the beat down well. I thought the comeback to set up the match was good. And then obviously you had the big go, go home. So, I mean, three appearances is about what Roman does to build his matches. So yeah. I didn't have an issue with that. The um, reason I've actually downgraded it to seven was because like, I thought they were building a tag match. Uh, right. and, then they, and then they weren't. Um, so that was a bit confusing. But yeah, I, I, so I've gone a bit higher than you there. Um, what did you think of the, um, the occasion? Uh, normally, a B pay-per-view for me would be, uh, you know, seven, seven and a half max. Mm. But I've actually gone eight just because of the crowd and th- the fact that it was in Puerto Rico. And I felt like um, th- it deserves just a little boost for, yeah. for, for that. Yeah, I would give it an eight. And I think, you know, this is one of the things that WWE does really well. They get into a premium live event. It's a throwaway show, so to speak. It's meaning it's not a WrestleMania, SummerSlam, etc. And they just over deliver expectation wise. And I think that's exactly what they did here. So, uh, yeah, I, I would give that an eight. Um, the bell to bell. I love this match. It it was arguably my favorite match on the entire card. Um. It was just total wacky pro wrestling to me. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give that a nine. I've got nine two and not ten. The only spot I didn't like was, and you can't. You're in a no win situation because you want to do the Savio spot and the the spot with Judgment Day and Kali and all that. You want to give it time, but there was a a long amount of selling in that. Where it was like, what the hell? Yeah. Are, what the hell is Priest? And um, Bad Bunny doing it. They watching yeah. this shit. Like, oh, it's it. <laughs> it was like both of them had to sell for like three minutes. It was they're in a difficult position because you want to play that that out as well as you can uh, and give it time for the crowd to go nuts. But you did sacrifice the believability of the the in ring. That's the yeah. only criticism that I have. Uh, and then to yeah. go back in there and not just do, you know, what's if Priest is looking at that happening and then suddenly he turns around and Bunny hits him with the finish. That would have been um, acceptable way out, but also yeah. you know very easy to do. The fact that they did another five minutes of, of near falls at that point, I think they deserve credit for that too. Um, what about the crowd? I don't, I can't give it anything but ten for for this match. The it, it, crowd. It, what is it? What is it a ten? If this isn't a ten, I exactly right. Hands down, a ten out of ten. And the last one is the is the finish. Um, it was a Canadian destroyer. Obviously, there was a lot of, of um, a lot of stuff that fact that when it went before that, I think narrowly um, the Savio stuff and and whatnot sort of for me drifts more into the bell for bell. I feel like I've already scored it. Therefore, I've just gone with an eight for the finish. 
yeah, I'll go an eight for the finish as well. It was, I don't love the Canadian Destroyer, but he's used it before. And I think just the climax, the build towards everything and into this moment, you know, in the crowd and it, it worked. So yeah, I'll give it an eight. Okay. So you have, for your first time doing this, have come up with a 40 which is exactly four stars for this match. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he was hurt by the five there on the build. And I've gone 10, 9, 8, 8, 7. I've gone 42. So I got 4.2. Okay. And you have, I don't know why I've got, because we're exactly the same. But Oh, that's right. Yeah. We, we, we're too short on the, yeah. So I've gone 4.2. Okay. I, I added two more for the build. And you've gone exactly four. So your first match that you've done doing this has come up as a four star. Would you agree? If you were doing this blindly with no categorization, would you would you say this is fair and where you would have landed? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, what's really perfect? You know, there's always opportunity for improvement, but that is a a damn good match in reality. And it that's a system where you can say, hey, I know this is a quality match that I want to watch. You know, and it's more realistic than, oh, this is a seven star out of five. Um, we won't do the system for the bloodline match, but we will talk about this quickly. Um, we're running long as well. I tried not to, but it looks like we are going to. But with this bloodline thing and they're now teasing the breakup and whatnot, I felt like maybe it was because it was in that spot where you just had the bad bunny match and Cody and Brock was next. But do you feel that this story for some people might be running a little bit long, just maybe the engagement still with Sammy and Owens and, you know, WrestleMania for me should be the end of stories, mm. not the start um, of stories. Like I know we have WrestleMania, we have backlash and sometimes that's the end, but here it feels like, okay, you had that huge moment. What are you doing now? Why is Sammy trying to convince Jay and, um, to, to, that he shouldn't be in the bloodline. It's like we did all this. They turned on you. Mm -hmm. What's what's going on here? This feels very sort of convoluted and time killing. And I don't I don't know. I don't know if the crowd reacted like that because they feel the same way, or this was just positioning. Yeah, it's starting to get too long in the tooth to me. Uh, right. And, and uh, time filler was a perfect way to describe it. it it's almost like hey. We've got to get to whatever, SummerSlam, whatever it is, before we do X. And so we've just got to fill time by doing sort of the same shit over and over. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think that's going to end up being an issue if they don't keep it fresh. Uh, and what do you what think Roman does on Friday then? Do you think, do you think they, they, that these, these Usos get kicked out of this bloodline and, and Solo turns on them? I mean, I think that's the best move at this point. I really do. Let's let's start moving into the next evolution of this story rather than the same. I mean, this it's been a great storyline, but it's gone on a long time. And let's let's evolve it somehow rather than keep giving us the same thing. So, yeah, man, I, I really do hope that they they end up breaking up and there's the tension and it finally happens because I'm tired of this. You know, Usos and uh, Sammy and Kevin. I'm I'm not a big fan. I mean, I mean yeah, Sammy Zayn has been uh, very good from a character perspective. I typically have not been a fan of his. Uh, Kevin Owens, I'm not a fan of his at all. 
Uh, and that's not just the fact that this guy has tweeted about me and called me a bitch or something. But he's he's just like, you know, I, I don't get why this guy is in any sort of, you know, the fact that this guy main evented against Stone Cold. Are you fucking kidding me? So, like, you know, from that that perspective, yeah, I'm just kind of over it. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think Solo is a key to this. He certainly has been booked pretty strongly. Uh, you know, but yeah, they've got to move along. Do you feel that Jay or Jimmy or both, maybe a three-way could be the opponents for Roman in Saudi? Because there isn't anybody else that's built up unless they can very quickly bring Randy Orton onto TV and do that. Or you set something up with Lashley this week. But my understanding is from the story that I reported that it was a case of Roman was for a long time feeling that he was going to finish up for a while at WrestleMania 39. Mm. He should be on vacation. He is on vacation. He has now agreed to come in and do some dates, even though that was not discussed with Vince when the decision was made to keep the title on him. There was no concrete discussions about how many dates they will do, but they kind of felt like, oh, okay, he's agreed to keep he's, he's okay with keeping the belt. He's okay with coming in on, on Monday and staying an extra day. It's going to be easy to work with him, at which point there was resistance. And it was like, I don't give a shit if I'm in the Puerto Rico video. Like, I'm not going to Puerto Rico. I'm taking my vacation that I was promised. Uh, after I've done that, um, I, I will come back for X, Y, and Z, which is going to be this week in, in Saudi. But he flat out refused to turn up for the draft, and he flat out refused to turn up for Backlash. That's what I was told. So, um, so yeah, that that's an interesting um, yeah. situation there. But um, does that mean that the Usos or one of them or both are the only opponents? It kind of does in a weird way. I mean, they could just obviously throw anybody in there. But, you know, one of the things that WWE has not done a good job of is building contenders for Roman Reigns, right? They've had this historic uh, championship reign. But they really haven't built those one or two other top guys in the company that, you know, that could take the title off of him. And again, I don't see Seth Rollins as a top guy. And, you if know, you full, if you do a full way here and somehow get Solo into the match and he ends up helping Roman ultimately. I mean, if they do mm-hmm. do that, it's almost like taking a shit on the on the four pillars match on the other show, because yeah. those pillars are pretty abysmal for for, for oh. pill yeah they're awful yeah yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's another topic for another day um let's do the last match here we'll do the star system and then we'll we'll move on to talking about other things um namely the beefs um so cody face brock what did you think of the build-up um i thought the build-up was pretty good not you know, not a home run, but it was pretty decent. I mean, again, Brock is is a guy who's part-time. But, um, you know, it hit the elements of, like, you know, Brock kicking his ass. And, uh, you know, I thought they could have explained better why he wanted, you know, to do this. Like, what was his motive? Yeah. Um, you know, so that was the miss for me. But otherwise, it was fine. You know, ultimately, you know, Roman's not going to work the card. Right. So you've got to have two guys you view as top guys having a main event match. So that kind of, you know, put them in that position. And I, and I understand that, you know, and I thought it was fine. I mean, it was not as good as it could have been. 
Um, you know, they could have done a better job, but that's like a lot of their creative. Like they, they don't do a lot of, you know, outside of the bloodline stuff, they don't do a lot of in-depth uh, sort of storytelling anymore. Yeah. Um, what did you give it? What would you give it then? Uh, scoring. Oh, uh, I'm going to have to give that a four. <laughs> oh, you're a harsh critic then. I am. Um, <laughs> I'm giving it seven again, just because I feel that, like, Brock really put that beating down on him. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that Brock needs to be there a lot. I feel that he's effective right. when he is there. Um, especially last night with the with the beatdown of, of Cody and that, that visual of his face with the bruise and the yeah. stitches. Um, but yeah, he's on a different level. And I, I hear all these people going, I need to push the young guys. Ooh, I'm sick of these part-timers. The part-timers are given part-time contracts yeah. because they are the ones who draw the money and they are the ones who draw in the casual fans and they are allowed to negotiate their deal. There's a reason why they are able to receive the same amount of money as people working a hundred, 120 days a year used to be more, but like it's only that now, but um, there's a a reason why they are getting the same money or or more money because they've earned the right to be part-time is because they're so good. Mm. That's what it is. No, and that's Brock the, is the, yeah, Brock is fantastic. A, yeah, and there's a reason. Like even someone like Drew McIntyre at the moment isn't getting the contract that he wants because, and I even say this as um, as, as as a friend of of Drew's. I don't think that he grabbed the the ball or grabbed it grabbed it by grabbed the push by the throat because. Mm yeah, okay, you do need to listen to Vince and you do need to smile and, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like I, the example I use is that Bret Hart and Stone Cold were told not to, were not given permission to bleed, mm-hmm. right? And it was Bret who said that they needed to do it for the, for, for the finish, for, mm-hmm. for Steve's sake. Uh, that you sh- if you're going to pass out, you need to prove pain. You need to be bleeding. It makes more sense. He goes, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, do, I'll cut you. I know how to do it was all brett brett made steve austin that night and steve austin had to agree that he was gonna trust brett hart and um and over vince and allow him to make him a star the point is is that you need to sometimes make those decisions by yourself because this is not the vince mcmahon or the triple h particularly the 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 vince mcmahon who made hogan and these people he's not at his creative best when he's hitting 80, right? Yeah, yeah. So at this point in time, you cannot put your implicit faith in a Vince McMahon who's hitting 80, who's slightly out of touch, who's lived his whole life in a wrestling bubble and is trying to navigate PG parameters and sponsors at the same time with shareholders and whatnot. You've got to turn around and go, do you know what? I'm going to fucking get myself over. And my criticism of Drew is that he didn't. I understand Mm -hmm. that he was under... Thunderdome confines and it's easier said than done or whatnot. Right. But it's the same criticism. I'm going to give it to Seth and I'm going to give it to all these other guys in the roster. I have to give it to Drew because Drew really had the look and everything else. And I think there is a phenomenal hero run in there somewhere with him being um, pushed back down the card again. I feel that being able to say, I fucking carried this company in the pandemic and 
you guys turned on me and you already cared when I was off TV. Like now he's all these stories mm-hmm. every day. Is he leaving? Where's his contract up? Why well, is he going to leave? Is he going to go AEW? Now he's all this interest in McIntyre, but yeah. when he's out there working injured with a bad neck and all the injuries he, he needs to heal up, everybody just took him for granted. Then they took him for granted during the mm-hmm. pandemic and whatnot. So there's a promo there and there's a heel turn there that he needs to be able to carry off. But I think it's his last shot to be the difference between being the next Sheamus and Cesaro and Owens and categorizing himself as a B plus player. Right. Using that term because WWE used it on TV, but I actually fucking think it's a real thing that exists. I don't think that came out as a, as a, as a, as an angle just to use on TV. I think it's a real way that they look at people. Um, And he's a good B plus guy. And if he wants to remain a B plus guy, then he, you know, his heel turn will not be booked yeah. effectively or as as effectively as it should be. But if it is done effectively, then then he can move up to an A. At the moment, I don't feel that he's worth enough um, with what he's done so far to warrant that part time deal. But Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and all these guys are so that's why they are part timers and why Rollins and Drew and Owens and all these other guys are not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, getting back to my long-winded point, I've given that a seven for the build because I don't feel that Brock needs to be around too much. I think he's effective right. when he's there. Um, the occasion um, in terms of this being the, the main event on the show. Yeah, I mean, I honestly probably would have gone around a seven had they just simply said what his motive was. I mean, that that is such a, a simple character thing on any TV show, and that is what was missing. Everything else, like you said... It's no fault of Brock's. He did excellent. That guy is fucking fantastic. He's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Uh, To your point real quick about Drew, you know, it's an interesting thing with Drew because, again, he's got the look, as you say. Um, But, man, it feels so over the top to me. Like, And, again, I'm not saying that's on him. It's not. But It's not only that he has the look as well. Like, I feel there's nobody else that size that moves like that even mm-hmm. yeah um, and he has everything it's, it's so cliche to say all the tools yeah um, but, but it's like but, but he it, does it, yeah yeah but it, but they put him out there and they give him like this sword like why is he carrying a, re- a sword to the ring is he gonna kill his opponents on live tv what is the and point this, of the and, sword? And, the, and these and these are the fundamental differences between getting yourself over and allowing the company to to ruin you because exactly. I would have I, I would have like if that situation I don't know what I would have done but I'm saying that I I believe what he should have done would have been to say I'm not holding that thing I'm not taking that to yeah. to the ring I'm staying as I am I got over in this like long leather jacket thing that he used to wear uh, as an ass kicker with the you know the remember he used to kick out on one during yeah. the midst of his push and. I, I, I just want to stick, keep being the guy who beat Brock Lesnar. And I want to be able to um, cut my promos off my... I can cut my own promos off my bullet points, and I'll get myself over. Like, I believe yeah. that there should have been more resistance, especially yeah. when it came to take, taking that fucking sword in your hand. Yeah, I agree. Like, just because he is Scottish doesn't mean he needs a sword. He doesn't need a kilt. He doesn't need the over-exaggerated Scottish accent. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they did the same thing to Seamus, right? And, you know, and he went with it, and, and now he's at where he's at. But it, it's... But this is the dumbest right. thing. This is the dumbest thing, right, Brad? Because 
with Drew, he got over to an American audience. And sometimes, like, when you're a foreign talent and you come over, you know, with, with Vince once said, oh, Cesaro, the problem with him is that he's too Swiss or whatever he said. Well, you had this guy over with the American audience as a pure ass kicker. Mm-hmm. And you went backwards and you booked him as Scottish. Whereas Becky Lynch, if you remember the reverse, she came in as the Irish dancer mm, yeah. and get away from all of that Irish shit and became the man right. who's just this universally over character in America or Canada or India or wherever. She's just a tough girl. And she's the tough girl of the division. She's at least booked that way. So she got away from her roots and her Irishness and all that kind of stuff. But with Drew, you 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 went backwards into it. You went backwards. He got over as a <coughs> universal character in all countries. He was just didn't matter if he was Scottish. He was a tough guy. He was a big guy who yeah. could wrestle, who could beat everybody. Why did you go backwards? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. No, not at all. Um, I got for this for this um, occasion. I've got seven instead. Of, I know I gave. The other match, A, even though it's on the same card, but that was a Puerto Rican celebrity wrestling in his hometown. So right. for him, it, yeah. it felt bigger when he was out there than even though this was the main event. And I felt that match should have gone on last after watching this whole show. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, you know, I'll probably go seven. Um, what did you go build? Sorry. Build four. was a four. Only because he he didn't say what his motive was. Again, that's on creative. Um for the bell to bell, I've gone seven again, which is my third seven. I just thought it was your normal kind of Brock Lesnar match. Um, it's yeah. kind, of, kind of paint by numbers, but Brock's paint by numbers is not is not awful. Where Brock's painting by numbers, he's try he's making an effort, um, and um, yeah, I mean we've seen him squash people uh, like uh, Ricochet and, and other people, but yeah, he he went to he went to bat here. Yeah, I'd give that a seven as well. Um, I liked it. I mean, I thought there was some cool moments. Uh, Cody went for the Cody Cutter, and Brock, just being, you know, the beast that he is, catches him in air, throws him in a belly-to-back suplex. I thought that was a cool spot. I mean, Brock is just so believable that, uh, you know, he does these things, and you're just like, wow, this guy is, you know, he he really is a beast. Uh, and, and it played well. It was, and it's hard because Cody is not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, and he's going up against Brock. So, you, you know, you've got to book it so it seems somewhat believable. Um, but I did like the match overall. I mean, they were going into it. It's like, you know, you're going to give Cody the win. But at the same time, you're going to keep Brock strong. And so, you know, there's not going to be anything definitive. Yeah. And, and, and with that said, I, I didn't like the finish. So what I've done actually just just is upgraded my bell to bell because the intentional hard way bleeding which they did yeah. do i felt added to the match but i don't think it was part of the finish so i've just gone eight there instead um so, so i'm at seven seven eight right now instead of seven 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 um and that's because i didn't like the finish i felt mm-hmm. that it came out of nowhere i understand that it's there to set up the other matches but on a singular night i don't know that yet or that's not relevant to me as a ticket buyer uh, i can't review this match with a, with a view as to where we're going. Uh, I need to just go review it 
individually and for me it was unsatisfactory for the live crowd and mm -hmm. that's why i feel the finish in particular made me think that the bad bunny match should have decisively ended the show mm -hmm. with that with with all those puerto rican wrestlers and everything out there that was your big feel-good moment and then also i guess a part of the finish uh includes the the roll-up and or the small package and then cody running up the aisle yes uh, that's the part i didn't like yeah. very odd yeah so yeah. i've only given that a five yeah um it, it's it's interesting so yeah, I, I have to give the finish maybe a, you know, a five. The whole thing is, if you're going to have him beat Brock, even if it is by by chance, dumb luck, whatever you want to call it, man, you're going to have the guy run? Did you ever see Bret Hart, you know, this technical wrestler, do some, you know, sort of sneaky move to get a quick win on someone, and then he goes running? Like, no, Bret Hart did... Bret Hart beat Austin, uh, Steve Austin, out of the Million Dollar Dream. Yeah, he didn't run away from <laughs> him. Yeah, you're right. That's not what stars do, right? So I, I just, I didn't, that didn't resonate with me at all. Um, and for the crowd, I've just gone with a nine because they, they were still hot for this match. Not as hot as they were previously in the night, but they had cooled down slightly. But they were still hot, so I go, I went nine. Yeah, I'd give them a nine. I mean, I think they were a little confused here in in that. You know, uh, you've got Cody, who they were warm to, but at the same time, the problem is they like Brock Lesnar. Look, whether Brock Lesnar is a good guy, a bad guy in between. At the end, yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Like, they don't really want to completely boo Brock ever, like, no matter what. Um, and, and so that's the challenge you're going into, especially against someone, you know, like a Cody, who you're really trying to position as a, a top baby face, you know. You're putting him in a position to be to be booed or, you know, for his opponent to be cheered. So I thought that was a little interesting. So here we go with the final results. So in the two matches that we covered, the bad buddy match, I got 4.2 and Brad got four. My mark rounds down to four stars because 4.3 rounds up to four and a half, but 4.2 rounds down to four. So we're exactly the same on this one was slightly different. I gave it 36, which is 3.6, which is three and a half stars. You gave it 32, which doesn't get you to three and a half stars. And you had this as a three star match. So that's that's where we're at. I had three and a half for this one. You had three for this one. And we had four for the bad body match. What do you what do you think now you've used the system? I mean, I like it. I, to me, if you do a system like this, it again, it's like Siskel and Ebert. This is someone you trust that can tell you thumbs up or thumbs down. Like this is a movie, a show. Uh, a match that you should watch or not watch, right? And and so I like that again because why you're providing context, a criteria. And that's this, you should do that with movies too. You should, yeah. you should you should go to the you should do the plot, the ending, um, the length. I think is a factor nowadays with these three hour movies. And then the mm -hmm. and then the performances is a separate thing. Like you can have a great you can have someone who gives a great performance in a shit film. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, totally agree. Um, let, let's 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 close out uh, by by talking about this this um, this more juicy stuff this this beef <laughs> these beefs as we were. Um, what we'll do is, uh, as I said, I've already said at the top of the show, but we'll reiterate here. We are going to talk about my various issues with certain people. 
Brad's going to talk to me about the Ryan Saturn incident. Brad's going to talk to me about K100 and things like that on his show when I go on as a guest. But the first thing I'm going to ask you is, what is your take? What do you think of this K100 situation? Like I've made it clear what my thoughts are. Obviously, I've been involved in it. But from the outside looking in, what, what do you think? What does it look like to you that's happened here? So... Obviously, let me set the stage that I don't have the inside baseball on the dynamics behind the scenes, et cetera. So to me, you know, and again, this is an outsider perspective, um, so it could be totally off the mark. But, you know, I, I see Conan and and he's going because I, I have listened to the show probably. I would say the last few months. I've listened to the show and there, you know, there's been times I've listened and not listened or whatever. Um, Conan has the, the thing with WWE, right? Where he, he has the moment with Rey Mysterio, the hall of fame. He gives the speech. He's kind of getting back in with WWE. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, you know, it feels to me like, Hey, why are you working with that guy? Or, you know, yeah. Almost like he's having to justify what he's doing with you because of things that you say. And again, that has nothing to do with him. Uh, and, and I think that's that's such a cultural thing today. Like, um, you know, people want you to cancel your friends or people you collaborate with because they said something, whether you agree or not. And I don't subscribe to that. Like, so for me, it's like, hey, whether WWE says, hey, come on in, or whether they say, sorry, we can't, we can't do that. If you work with this guy, I'm going to be true to myself, and that that's sort of a rare thing. So for me, just on the outside, um, it was like the timing of it was interesting. Where Conan did the Hall of Fame, and then you know it was like, well, you know, all of a sudden Billy's off the show, and I I, I get the thing with joe feeney as well he's kind of it's not that i have a, a problem with joe just kind of get this feeling about him like you can't trust him or something um no. yeah so and i don't know him and that could be completely wrong but th this is just my take from kind of like you know thirty thousand feet well uh, i will tell you that i was just just to just to add to that what made it even more suspicious and why I lost my temper and lost my call and just was like, fuck it. It was like, um, we've told you not to do this. Like, cause this is the Ryan Saturn thing. He goes, we told you not to do this. And we told you what, like we, we said about you about SAP and now you've gone after Saturn and which I'll talk about on your show. And disco said to me, Conan doesn't want you on the show for a while. Um, he said until, until you like figure until you learn like how to, um, Basically, until you learn how to, um, to control yourself and not get involved, until you start listening to us, um, then Conan doesn't want you back on. But it was a case of, we want you back on. For me, it felt like, hold on a second, you're killing time here. You're trying to find out, am I going back to WWE? Do I, do I, don't, do I, do I want this person on there while I'm doing that? Is this going to cost me? Do I want this association right now? It, it felt very much like a case of um, a wait and see situation, mm -hmm. and uh, and then that, the wait wait and see if I go back to WWE. Wait and see if Ryan Satin right. tell if I do go to if I go back to WWE is Ryan Satin going to say 
oh, you bought Conan back, you know, he works with this guy. And then Conan can say, oh, well, he doesn't work for me. And yeah, that, 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 that sort of thing, because it wasn't yeah. a full, it wasn't a full on thing. My response to it was simply, you don't fucking pay me enough to what to, to say, what to tweet. I work on another right. podcast and they pay me enough for me not to, so they tell me on, 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 on the sports gambling podcast, don't do any politics. You're not a Republican. You're not a Democrat. You don't talk about Trump. You don't talk about Biden. You don't talk about vaccines. You don't talk about football hooligans. You just talk about the show. You talk about the games. You do your data and you, you read our adverts and you come off. How are you going to pay me? This is what we pay you. Thank you. I'll do what you ask me to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm very easy to work with if I'm paid fairly. Um, yeah. But if not, like, I'm not going to change my personality for, um, for, or, or I'm not going to like hide my views for what they were, for what they were paying me, which was, you know, the deal was, Hey, we can only afford to pay this. Um, but, you know, we'll let you plug all of your stuff as often as you can. Mm. And then I go on to find out once I'm not there that Hughesy and Joe want to want to make out that there's this wildly successful podcast and everybody on there is making thousands. Well, that's even more reason for me not to be there. Giving I'm the only one, Brad, who goes on and can be statistically criticized. And that's the difference. You got two old guys from WCW mm-hmm. who wrestled in the in the 90s who are there giving their opinions on modern day wrestling, whether you agree with them or not. And you have me going out there, giving free betting picks and giving wrestling news, both of which have statistical conclusions where people can turn around and say, Hey, you were wrong. You lost me money or that didn't happen at WrestleMania. Like I'm the only one putting my neck on the line. I'm the only one who can be a statistical success or failure. I'm the only one who carries any pressure in, in, the, in his segment on the show. So I thought that was fucking yeah. bullshit too. And the amount of people that have said, Oh, um, I, I can't, I enjoyed your segment the most, or I've unsubscribed now, you know, well, that's the thing they'll, they'll, they'll find out, um, in, in due course. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, the, I'll tell you the the sports show is the shits now. Of course it is because none of yeah. them are experts. None of them, right. none of them are sports. Tech. They're just three guys talking about sport. Anybody can do that. Right. I'm the one with a. I'm the one with the tracked, transparent background in winning in sports betting. Right. Like that's 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 what you. That's what the show was. It was my idea. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, is that on a weekly basis, which I want to get into on your show, um, they would not follow a run sheet where I had researched things, and they then buried me in a video saying he's supposed to be a sports guy, and he was telling us what he wanted to talk about. It's like. Yeah, you fucking idiots, because I'm supposed to be winning people money. So I need to know what the head-to-head matchup is, what the statistical data is, what the what what teams do on offense, what teams do on defense, how this matchup's gonna play out. There's an extensive amount of research that goes into everything that I do. And when I do a sports show, unlike wrestling, it is my bread and butter. It needs to be meticulously planned. It doesn't mean I don't know what I'm talking about. I can casually talk sports with anyone. But this isn't casual. This is a professional show. I do this on. I do a professional podcast every week. I'm trying to give the correct data analytics and reasoning as to why I arrive at a conclusion yeah. that you want to invest your money in, which they fail to understand, and which is why it just became impossible to continue working with them. Just the pure yeah. 
ignorance and arrogance of, of people who are too used to having everybody suck up to them because they wrestled once, mm -hmm. which I can tell is the case with Joe Feeney and Husey and probably everybody. Like, I, I can't remember yeah. what the guys that come in and worked before. I don't know if you remember the guy from MLW. Court Bowers Network. Court Bowers, the guy. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let, let's let's move on from that because we, we'll have another chance to, to talk about that okay. um, when, when I do your show. Um, I've just seen it Philly beat the Celtics today. Jesus. Um, mm. So let's talk about Louis, Louis Dangerfield. Louis Danger <laughs> Gore, uh, sorry. And what happened here with this situation because he's a guy now who has all the heat on him and all the marks wanting to cancel him. Uh, and jumping on board with because he's been exposed as a sex pest and and whatnot, um, shed some light on this situation because I've never ever spoken about this guy before on my show. I knew privately that he was involved with Wrestle Votes, and Wrestle Votes his credibility has 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 really hit the fan. The shit has hit the fan with that. I mean, mm. it, it hit a few stories in the past. I think it was you know doing okay. I would say it was a 60, 60% kind of Twitter page, but it's yeah. gone way, way down now. And now they've aligned together. So sort of give us the background on yeah. that and then what's actually happened here and of your involvement in it. Well, so, so Louis Dangor has, um, I mean, he is a full-time journalist. That's his job. And he's very young. He's like early twenties. Uh, but he's buddies with Sean Sapp and the gang. That guy's early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he's like this little short, dumpy guy, and he's really awkward. Uh, him and Sap have gone on podcasts together attacking me, you know, blah, 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 the whole deal. So the guy's a total doofus. Total, he's a total weirdo, is what he is. And, uh, and he's just another one of these socially awkward, like, you know, modern wrestling fans. The English or American? Yeah, yeah, he's he's English. Um, sure. Yeah, but he's just he's just a very weird person. So and he's also a mark. Uh, so so he apparently has been like, you know, emailing or messaging or whatever, contacting, we'll say. You know, these females and using his position and influence to try to, you know, make moves on them. He's basically sexually harassing them is is what was reported. And he's doing creepy things like he's, you know, he's another one of these guys who hangs out with the SJW crowd who preaches this perfectly moral life. Right. They are the standard of excellence as people. And, and we're just awful or the worst thing in the world. And as it turns out, like so many of the cases, he's actually the one who is saying inappropriate things to women or touching them or whatever he's doing. It was reported some guy came out and was like, six of my female friends have come to me about him. Jesus. I mean, so this guy is trying to fuck everything that moves. And if you see him, you understand why. He's probably never seen pussy since pussy had him. So, so, so that's the issue there. So so it comes out and, you know, and again, Lewis has attacked me repeatedly. You know, I'm an awful person. And it comes out all of this stuff. So now all of a sudden the SJWs, you know, he's persona non grata uh, because, you know, it, it, it's come out. And meanwhile, 
you know, he's right under Sean Sapp's nose doing all this stuff as he pretends to be this wonderfully moral character. And Sean is attacking me. Sean Sapp literally called me. You know, this was um, last month. One of the worst people on the Internet. <laughs> now, think about that. Hmm. Think about the entire Internet, the World Wide Web. Think about everything outside of wrestling that's there and the type of people you can run into. And I'm one of the worst people in the Internet. So these people are obviously lunatics, right? They're just it's just totally you, you can't reason with them. But so Sean has repeatedly attacked me. Now, I'm an awful person because of who I associate with, etc. That's one of his talking points. But as it turns out, Sean is associating with the guy who's been accused of all these sort of me too things. So it's it's actually Sean is the one right under his nose. It's happening with his little buddy. Uh, and this went on for a long time, apparently. But but that's OK, though. You know, so so I said you know, my thoughts on this were you got, you know, Sean Sapp doing this and telling me constantly, oh, you've got a, you know, a producer I had for a brief time who was arrested for pulling his little pud in front of a window in his house. And that was decades ago. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he didn't tell me about it. I didn't know at the time. I found out later, gave him a second chance, et cetera. So Sean went into a total meltdown telling everybody, you know, again, who you associate with, da, 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 da. Uh, so he he's like for a year has has said these sort of things. And now, again, as it turns out, the people Sean is associated with for far longer are doing far worse things. So. You know, it, this it's is the funny. Thing. Why? Why has Sean Ross Sapp moves himself into a position? Was because Dave doesn't do it. Right. Dave Meltzer, Dave Meltzer for me, whether he's right, whether he's wrong, whether you like the star system, whether you don't, I know actual real wrestlers that check his that check his star system and really do care what he's giving them. So as much as you want to, you can shit on him. He's still making the most money. Uh, because mm. of his newsletter and whatever he charges for it and how many thousands you can imagine are signed up to that. He's still making the most money. He's still the richest. He's still the most successful. And he's still the most respected, right? And he yeah. doesn't try to police the entire community. This right. fucking idiot thinks that he's in charge and, and has self-proclaimed himself as the leader of the community, mm -hmm. which is actually one of the worst communities in the entire internet. To the point where I consider myself the opposite, literally one of the, the leaders of the opposite. And I'm not trying to lead anything. I'm actually trying to get a group of people to co-lead like yeah. yourself, if anything, because being the, the number one makes me the number one target at the same time. So if there are multiple targets like you and me and, and Jay Aleto and, and even Steve Carrier, someone who surprisingly... I'm talking to now after for so many years having issues with him not putting up my news. And now Steve turns out to be on this other side. Whereas before, you know, he just wanted to have the most successful site. But I think over the years, a lot of people have realized that if they don't kind of counteract this, this, this force on the other side, and if mm -hmm. we become more woke, then eventually everybody will get canceled for the smallest thing. Yeah. Like it's the smallest shit. And, and I think Steve has almost embraced that where he's now putting stuff off on his site or doing not necessarily just clickbait stories, but but just he's running his site very differently than he did before. 
where you know it's a case of see so and so in a bikini and or see these revealing pictures yeah. of Mandy Rose and I think that's the right thing to do. Like, yeah. it, because if there's a certain type of fan that that, that are going to say, I don't want to see, uh, or, that, or that's sexist or whatever. No, it isn't sexist because magazines like Playboy and Penthouse, or, I mean, obviously I'm mentioning porn in magazines, but if for, to a lower level, what we're looking at, what Steve Carey is doing with Maxim and H&M, mm-hmm. they're all completely fine. They're all completely acceptable. Women wanted to be in them, which is the point that these fucking idiots forget. <laughs> and men wanted to read them. It was a fair exchange. Just like any strip club or prostitution exchange is actually fair, unless the girls are being like trafficked. But there are exceptions. But for the most part, everything is a fair exchange. You buy the magazines that the girls want to be in. You go to a strip club because the girls want to take your money. If anything, the guys are being victimized in that yeah. situation but at the end of the day everybody is, has as uh, everybody is free to think for themselves but these this community don't want you to think mm. for themselves they want to police it and the head policeman is this hillbilly fucking prick <laughs> who i every day it bothers me that i wasn't in the position to knock him the fuck out because trust me i would um and that that if that had played out in any kind of different situation, if I had been able to get him at least off camera, the way that I cornered Ryan mm-hmm. Satin, um, that that would have played out a, a lot differently. But I don't understand. Well, Billy, but, but people I don't understand realize, this like, police. Sorry, go on. No, I'm j- I, I just want to say to your credit, people don't realize that was a setup job. You were being filmed by Saps people. This was this was a trap for you. It was a no win situation. Uh, and I've seen what would happen if that if you didn't have those constraints. Uh, and I know we'll get into that on the next show, but it, it's just so ridiculous. Some of these tweets I see, bro, about you in that situation. These oh, the gifts, the gifts running away. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I didn't fucking move. I did not move. So I, I refuse to put myself in a position where I would say if if you know if you're my child's mother who has allowed me to take our child away for a month to New York, Nashville, and Orlando, right? The mm-hmm. expectation is that I do move. The, res- the responsible thing is that I do walk. But in this community, I knew that I couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's The whole thing is so ridiculous. Like They have this double standard. Again, We going back to your point about content, you know, Go to TMZ.com. You know, what do they have? You know, they have celebrities and the best bodies. And, you know, they it, it's what people want to read in modern society. And then you've got this wrestling bubble where there's this double standard where you can't do those sort of things because these woke warriors want to cancel you for saying you like women's butts or you know, you want to see edgy storylines, etc. Here's the thing, you know. Brad. Here's the thing. Do you think that when Sean Ross Sapp is sitting at home with his real friends, that he is woke? Do no. you think the guy who accidentally put out that tweet about rubbing thighs, <laughs> who cheats on it, who, who clearly cheats on his wife, um, do you think he is woke in his own inner circle or the likes of Sapp and Rosenberg and... On and Saturn and all of the who who wants like uh, stalked a porn star in his town, if you recall, all these people are playing woke. 
Yeah, they're, I, I don't they're think fake woke. Any of this is real. Yeah, they're fake as fuck. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem. That's the problem with these SJWs by and large is they are fake woke. They don't actually believe the things they're saying. They just want to get the good feeling in their little tummy because they say what they feel is the right thing that other people want to hear and it makes them feel good. Uh, but they don't actually believe that shit in a lot of cases. But do you think that the, the, one of the causes of this and in terms of why this is going to get worse is the fact that we have seen WWE use people from podcasts for their free show. You have Ryan Satin getting a job where he interviews people. Yeah. You have Will Washington, who has no personality at all, um, getting a job where he has input, creative input on AEW. Do you believe the message is, this is the right thing to do? If we just clean up, we do content where we just somehow speak for three hours without saying a fucking mm. thing, which is the like this Denise and his Will. Oh, yeah. And, set, and, and and do you feel it's like set that the, almost the, the major companies have fallen into this trap or have set the tone that, yeah, this is the way you do content. You don't offend us. You don't criticize WWE. You don't criticize AEW. You don't print. You don't. If we tell you not to do a story, you don't do it. And you put out this mundane, pointless content. And there will there may be job opportunities waiting for you. We just, yeah. you know, just just play it safe. Yeah, I mean, you look at Denise Salcedo. She's a prime example of someone who has benefited from being a minority, someone who has been given a position because of that. I mean, someone who said the right things and kissed the right asses. Denise really has no talent or skill set when it comes to the media line of work. I mean, she's very boring. She's very plain Jane. She doesn't even half the time look even interested in what she's saying herself. Uh, it's awful, boring, vanilla content. If I had insomnia, I'd listen to Denise Salcedo. And I think, you know, to your point, I mean, that's that's a lot of them. That's Will Washington. What has Will Washington ever said that goes against the narrative? Just name one thing. You know, it, these these people are boring. And, and Will said all the right things that Tony Khan wanted to hear, and he got a job. So now the message is you can be in the wrestling media, quote unquote, and if you kiss Tony's ass the right way, you too can get a job in AEW. And I think that's that's damaging and bad for the wrestling industry and wrestling media. Well, the other way it could work out would be that and I'm sure there'll be a next wave of people doing content this way. But I mean, eventually it could get to the case of could be a situation where they all have jobs. They're all mm -hmm. going to the media scrum. Everybody at the media scrum, like Nick Hausman and Ryan Satin, want to be hired by these companies. And then it just goes back to Dave and Alvarez doing their thing and podcasts like us who are criticizing fairly. And the thing is, I, I hate this narrative that they like to like everything, with, with, where Satin and those people are, are positive mm. and, they're, and, and they're considered to be fair because they're overly positive. Whereas right. we're considered to be unfair because we um, criticize the product accurately. If something's good, right. I'll say it's good, but that's completely ignored because we are considered to be the, the haters because we say more bad things than good. Because if you watch the fucking TV show for three hours, there is 
more bad things than good. You're yeah. conditioned. You're conditioned and have been for the last decade that if you are going to, if there's another, if there's something else on, if there's an NFL game on or an NBA game on, or you're busy or you haven't got time, you need to tune in for the beginning. You need to tune in for the start of the second hour. You need to tune in for the start of the third hour. And you need to watch the last five minutes of the main event. And you can digest the essentials within a total collective time of 50 to 55 minutes, right? That's yeah. the conditioning. If you want to watch everything else in between, then you're probably a super fan or a very dedicated WWE fan, shall we say. But you don't need to watch all of the show. If you watch our the start of the start of the show, start the start of the third, the start of the second hour, start of the third hour, where they put the key, the key moments, you know, if Cena's back or or Roman's on the show or the Brock segment, it's all gonna they're always gonna be on those parts, right? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what you're con- that's what you're conditioned to do. But if you highlight that and say the rest of the show is bad and there's too many long matches that are happening mm-hmm. for no reason, and I don't care about the wrestling, you're the negative one. Yeah. You're you're the critic because if you don't know who some Japanese guy is that pops up in AEW, <laughs> it's your responsibility to go onto YouTube and do it and, and and find out who it is. It's your fault that you haven't been watching. You're not a big enough fan to talk about wrestling. in in that in a sense that's what that's what they're trying to say yeah well i mean and people in the industry billy are so sensitive today i think a lot of that comes back to this and so you got someone like a sap uh, a will a denise a whoever you know before they tweet before they podcast they're thinking oh you know i better not say that because that's going to upset so and so i'm just saying hey look this is how i feel I'm going to be honest and I'm going to tell you how I feel wherever the chips fall. Right? I mean, I don't care that I'm going to give a podcast review and Road Dog is going to be mad at me because I'm going to criticize some shit on WWE. You know, I, I just I'm honest. And, and I think, you know, that level of honesty for some fans is alarming because they're so used to the bullshit from these guys. But, you know, just to, to finish up, it's just. For me, it's not a case of what stuns me the most and sort of the main point I kind of want to finish up on is the fact that, okay, so they're used to the bullshit from these guys and they're used to these guys not giving an opinion and obviously they become conditioned to the way that they do things. But how are we reaching a point where they have supporters? How, when I say something on my on my wall or I criticize Sean Ross Sapp or I post his stories or whatever, they actually have defenders. People are supporting this content that I find it unbelievable that they can have an emotional attachment to. They can, because when you watch it, when you become emotionally attached to something, there has to be an emotion. It makes you happy. It makes you sad. It makes you laugh, which is a key one, right? I think yeah. I find I think that people find our shows that I do with Cav. I think people find th- the things that we say funny. There's nothing funny on Sean Ross Sapp's show. No, there's nothing. There's no hot takes. There's no controversy. There's no. Th- th- there's nothing. There's nothing there where you can be emotionally invested. What's the must listen thing that you need to say? Is he gonna? big brutally criticize anything is he gonna praise something like massively 
is there going to be any comedy on there like at all like what what are you watching for it's it's three you know people i said two or three people just sitting there recapping what happened giving you the finishes giving you the minutes and giving you their their pointless thoughts and somehow they have hardcore supporters and it's almost like for a long time i was convinced that these are all burners because nobody can <laughs> can possibly like this but how does it get to the point where you have supporters when you're not doing anything where you're not where you're not conjuring up any kind of emotion which 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 i think translates to investment uh, uh, emotional attachment leads to investment in your product yet in this instance that i'm told they they these guys have the most patrons and the most supporters and everything i don't i'm confused as to how that happened and maybe you can help me understand it is baffling to be honest uh, but i think that's an indictment on the modern fan base I, I mean i think wrestling in modern times is you know that modern fan base is a lot of especially the hardcore niche right it's this woke sjw fan base this liberal fan base you know and they want to hear what they want to hear i i really think that's kind of what it comes down to and and sometimes they get co-signed you know they'll you know sap or whoever will have the support of other wrestlers that fans admire but i it's it is certainly something that's baffling to me because just being totally objective and you know you could put my uh, water under the bridge with sap aside totally being objective his content and i've seen it i've listened to it you know i've read it it it's objectively not good like he's not a good writer he's not an interesting person or podcaster and, and you know i don't think his interviews are good yeah I, there's the content is just not good to me and I, again i'm just I'm For example, totally he, he got to interview MJF and yeah. he was trying to get him to talk about Doja Cat. And it was the it's one of cringe. the worst things oh. I ever saw. Yeah, it was it was cringe. Yeah, it was horrendous. Yeah, he's, it, it was just it wasn't good. And it's like and that is the standard for our industry. I mean, again, that's why I said what I did when Will Washington got the opportunity with AEW. It's like. You know, there is this track record in modern wrestling of giving opportunities to the dumbest, most talentless, ass-kissing people like them. Uh, and and there really is no sort of... But when of, he does that, when he does that and he goes on there and he does that thing with Poker Face and, and, with, and, and, do, and, and integrates that into his interview of MJF, is he thinking about a WWE? Is he thinking about a future? Is he thinking about... Is he, is he auditioning... For AEW in his in his mind, and does he think that that does he think he's funny? Does he think that that, that he's oh entertaining? yeah <laughs> yeah like that's the delusion of these people. Like I think he's feeling himself. I think he thinks he's funny. I think he thinks he's really good at his job, and I, I objectively would disagree. Uh, and if you look at a Sean Sapp, and I've said this about pretty much all of them, they all want to be a part of the business, you know. And you've seen Sean do his little indie appearances and. Now Will gets hired by AEW. You know, Denise has done stuff with different uh, <coughs> indie wrestling companies. Yeah, I ultimately do think uh, they all want to get hired somewhere. Uh, and they probably wouldn't admit it, but I do believe that. And I do believe they 
they really think they're the good guys as they censor and blackball us and have people attack us. Like they think they're follow the my, good guys. Follow my follow my child around Hollywood. Yeah, like like these people are the actual Nazis that think they're the good guys. That's that's a that's actually a good point. That's exactly what the Nazis thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just. I, I see, I, I see that, and it makes me wonder that if you are s- subscribed to that site, and there's just, it's almost like there was this thing that was out for a while, and it was a joke at first, where it's like, oh, Dave's on Tony's payroll, and you know this this site's on his payroll, and now you're hiring the people who are on your who you're hiring the people, and actually openly putting on your payroll and the message is hey be nice about us and you really will get this money that that's been joked about for a while and it's almost like if you're that close to it if you're if you're not like us when we're, we're nowhere near it uh because we've been the the only ones that have been fair and objective throughout as much as people want to say that we hate everything we don't um we just there is just more to be critical of at the moment. If you think this is a boom period in wrestling, you're a fucking idiot, right? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're a moron. Like, but like I openly praise the bloodline and, and things that are good all the time. I fuck, I went to AW in March and praised yeah. the shit out of the pay-per-view that they did. Even, even tried to find a reason to, to state, uh, try to legislate why uh, they allow Moxley and Hangman to do that in order to differentiate themselves from the other product. Is I said, this is what you need to do, and defended mm-hmm. that match, right? And yeah. and that's how fair I can be. I can't defend the four pillars because they suck. Right. If your pillars, if that's your pillars, you're going to fall down. So I'm not yeah. going to defend you to that point. But you know, these guys won't say that. I, I I'm fair, and I'm considered to be unfair and negative. But those people who have remained woke are now at the point where it's like, you're not going to get anything out of them. You're not going to get any objectivity out of those podcasts because now they will all feel they're on the cusp of a hire and this dream that they claim that they don't have, yet suddenly they all take jobs with with those companies. Saturn took a job. Will Washington took a job. Uh, um, Sean Ross Sapp is taking independent bookings. you know, with no reaction because he felt genuinely that everybody would know who he was. Um, and this is where we're at. Like, and if you are a wrestling fan, there's absolutely no point listening to that. And when the thing, when, when it is now a reality that AW will put you on your payroll, if you're nice about them and WWE might do as well. So why on earth would you listen to those podcasts? Why would you defend those podcasts? Why would you invest three hours in your time and come away with nothing, no jokes, no entertainment, no hot takes, nothing that you can take away from it whatsoever. I'm, I'm baffled about where we're at. And, and, and I'm baffled by the fact that even when these hires are made, nobody turns around and says, Oh, actually there is some validity to these, um, to these comments that were made about um, people trying to get jobs with AEW or, or, or media outlets being favorable mm-hmm. towards AEW. It just seems like these people just won't wake up, uh, especially if it's coming from us who are considered to be the enemy. It's just, it's just I, I don't yeah. know how this, I don't know how this changes unless we vastly grow 
our side of the community. But unfortunately, the type of people that I feel that would listen to us aren't going to get embroiled in these community wars as such because, to their credit, they're too cool to do it. They're, to well, their they're credit, normal. <laughs> yeah, that's it. exactly. They're probably listening to this on a drive. They're probably listening to this in a gym. They might be listening to this playing around a golf, walking to the next hole. Like, I don't think that they are, and, you know, I'm, almost, I'm saying this about my own content. I don't think they're, they're, they're digesting this as must-listen content. Where it's like, oh, my God, it's Billy and Brad. I must close the doors to my bedroom and, and lock it <laughs> so my, so my mum doesn't disturb me with with my dinner whilst I'm, like, fully concentrating on this podcast sitting in my bedroom um, do you know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Like oh, I almost, it, yeah. I almost want to have a fan base who are listening to this um, yeah, whilst yeah, yeah. they're doing something. Well, you know, in into their credit, Billy. I, I mean, those guys like Sap are great at gatekeeping. They're great at you know, spreading fake news and telling people we're the worst people in the world. And they've been able to develop big social media followings where they can tell their followers that we're the worst thing in the world and they can make up their own truth and reality. And, and they've done that repeatedly about us. And, and so we're fighting against, you know, spreading the truth while people with massive followings are spreading fake news. Yeah. And, and, you know, so that's what we're up against. And so we just, you know, have to continue to grow organically and, and get our messaging out there, but it's tough because, you know, the saps and whatnot, they want to cancel and ruin every opportunity you may possibly have. Well, here's what we're going to do. And I know one person who would have listened to the show in particular, because me and you have come together again, is Bin Harmeen. <laughs> and he would have been waiting to hear his name. Well, we've gone long, Bin. So everything about you is going to be on Brad's show. So as much as you hate me, I think you hate Brad's even more. Um, <laughs> he's going to have to go and download your show um, where he's going to have to listen about himself, which is probably why he downloaded this show. But that's going to be on the other show. So I'm going to be on Brad's show in two weeks' time. We are going to preview the Saudi Arabia pay-per-view. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the draft then and how it's played out and who could potentially win this world heavyweight title. And we will talk about the the confrontation between me and Ryan Satin. I will answer Brad's questions about what really happened with the K100 situation and how it escalated. And that's where we'll talk about Bin Harmeen, including Brad's history with Bin Harmeen. And, and stand. I will leave with a teaser on Bin Harmeen. On that episode, I'm going to tell you what I direct message to Ben on Twitter after the fallout. I'm going to tell you exactly what I told them. Yeah, and also we'll also talk about the whole the thing with Cav and Russo and all that. We've never spoke about that here. Or Cav, yeah. Cav, Cav addressed it here on the show, but I want to get your thoughts on it as well. But also yeah. before you go, um, tell us where you're at now because you disappeared for a while. Your podcast is back up and running, but yeah. people might not know. I mean, even I just called it Unleashed a few minutes ago. So, yeah, just, just, just plug exactly where you are back and where we're going to be able to find um, our next show. Yeah, definitely follow me on Twitter at it's B Shep, B-E-S-H-E-P. Uh, that's where you can find all the information. I am on Patreon. Uh, that's the, the best platform I found so far as far as 
having content because they always do try to cancel everything I do. Uh, so patreon.com forward slash allow me to apologize. Oh, they got my Patreon canceled. Yeah, I'm. they've, they've reported me multiple times. You know, that's the next ball to drop, I'm sure. <laughs> so we'll see where it goes. But you can always find me uh, on Twitter, on Elon Musk's free speech Twitter. Uh, and I'll have links and everything there for you. Yeah, and everybody knows where my stuff is. Uh, for the wrestling stuff, I'm at thedirtysheets.com. For betting, it's lockbetting.com. Uh, the Twitter account is at lockbetting.com. We now have 119 months of transparent track profit. The PL for April is going up on Thursday. I like to post my PL up on a quiet betting day. At the moment, we have Champions League going on. Um, but on Thursday, it's just the Europa League. Once the Europa League matches conclude, it'll be a nice, quiet 24 hours for me to post my PL. Offer some free plays to guys and some uh, deals on packages to sign up. Um, there are huge discounts over on Gumroad at the moment for three month, six month, and 12 month packages if you want to get involved. The best time to actually sign up is in June because it gets the um, through the end of the soccer season and the, the financial year for betting for me starts again in June. So we can start looking towards the next season. We can start putting out our futures for soccer. In August, we'll be looking at NFL futures for next season. Last year, we absolutely destroyed the futures markets for the NFL. So if you want to get involved, it's lockbetting.com. If you want information, shoot me up on my Twitter at lockbetting.com. And in the next couple of days, I will be reducing for my own sanity um, my wrestling interactions on the Twitter account at lockbetting.com. There needs to be a an actual wrestling account it can never work when the betting account is talking wrestling it's just horrendous especially when you're actually tweeting factual information <clears throat> about AEW ticket sales as somebody who owns a bar at wembley and has been given security information as to how we need to approach the event by wembley <laughs> I, but apparently that can't be taken seriously yeah. or that's a lie yeah. from these AEW fans i'm literally my dad literally owns a bar, which I have financial investment in. And we have a bar, a family bar. Uh, my, my uncle also has two bars there. We've been there since um, 1987. Uh, we've been involved in events, including uh, Euro 96, including uh, Euro 2020 recently, major soccer tournaments. We, we know everything that happens at Wembley. It's a legal obligation to tell us the... Mm. Um, expected attendance, what category the event is, what security measures we'll need. So sometimes an event that may have a low attendance may actually be a category two because you may have supporters that you need to keep apart. So your security measures will be higher. This is so low. This is a category three, which means there's no threat from the supporters, no threat of hostility, but also no threat of um, a, a, an attendance exceeding 50,000, <laughs> according to police and security. But <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute, Billy. I read on Twitter there's going to be 80,000 people there. Well, from Tony Khan's own expectations and the insurance and configuration that he's requested from the building, there's not going to be that. So unless there is a change at the moment, I've not received that change. I've not been told of that change. And if there were genuinely 70,000 tickets sold, they'd be changing that already. I'm not saying... I can only tell you that they have sold under 
49,000, right? Because at the moment, for, for them to be in category three, it's between 40 to 50,000. Once they go over 50,000, which they have not, then we would be alerted to the fact that it's different. So they could be on 49,999. I'm not denying it, but they're not on 50,000 and they're certainly not on 70,000. So I can tell you that for a fact, but you can tell these people the sky is blue and these AW fans will will disagree with you. So look, we'll talk more about that on your show as well. We'll do, we'll do an update. Um, this was supposed to be 45 minutes. Clearly it's not. <laughs> Um, I think we were still covering backlash at 45 minutes. So um, I'm not going to give any time, uh, any length of time that the, that the next show could be. It could be anything, but it will be on Brad Shepard's show, which is giving you the details for next time. So I've been Billy. He's been Brad. I'll be back with Cav on Friday. Until then, thanks for listening.